We're in Mark chapter 12. I'm going to begin reading in verse 35. And I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. The Gospel says this, While Jesus was teaching in the temple, He said, How can the scribes say that the Messiah is the son of David? David himself, by the Holy Spirit, declared, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord, so how can he be his son? And the large crowd was listening to him with delight. So when Jesus approaches the scripture, he does so in a very particular way. And even though we uh, in our culture today have become suspicious of that kind of an approach, the kind that Jesus uses, the kind that the rabbis used, the truth is that the early fathers of the church read the scriptures in these same ways. So this is what we're talking about. Now, I don't know why, but I suspect I know why. I don't know why we have become so cavalier in our study of the scriptures. Why we've gotten to this point where we believe that we can just read them and the Holy Spirit will just help us to know what we need to know and move on. I think it's because we're lazy. I think it's because we'd like to believe that there's no work in hearing from God. That there's no work in knowing God. That it's something that will just come to us if we want it bad enough. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You don't find, sit in your room and wait for the kingdom to come to you, and when it's ready, it will find you. There's something about pursuit. Now, that's not to say that we earn anything that God has done for us, but we must pursue it. And so what we're talking about, really, in this little set of conversations about these, really, three verses in Mark, is what it means to truly seek God. And I think Jesus helps us to understand how to do that. What I really want to spend our time with tonight is this third point, the Holy Spirit. Notice Jesus' words in chapter 12 of Mark, verse 36. David himself, by the Holy Spirit, declared. It's not common in Greek to use the word himself. That's kind of doubling down on the author. David himself. Who wrote it? David did, himself. By the Holy Spirit. This is a very interesting way to phrase it. Jesus stated that Psalm 110 was written by David and yet came by the Holy Spirit. And that is Jesus' assumption about Psalm 110. And you could argue, and I would argue, it's his assumption about the entire First Testament. That it was written by people, but also at the same time by the Holy Spirit. And it appears to have guided, that assumption appears to have guided Jesus' reading and interpretation of Psalm 110. And so it would seem to me anyway that for Jesus we must not assume that these writers were simply human. I mean, these texts are written by humans. You can tell that they are. One of the things you discover when you start studying the original languages is that none of the books are written the same. Which is why I said this morning, it's not as though they just sat down and God just dictated to them what He wanted them to say and then they just wrote it down. Because if that's what happened, you would expect about the same sentence structure in every book, about the same vocabulary, about the same grammatical style. Because if you wrote a book, even 15, we'd all know you wrote it, they'd all sound kind of the same. But that's not what we find in the scriptures. So they're clearly not the same. They're written by people. And yet... Jesus assumes that these humans did not write out of their own interpretations. 
To follow Jesus in his reading of the First Testament, we too must assume that God's Spirit has been at work in the process of the writing, the preserving, and the collecting of what we now call the Christian Bible, which took nearly 1,500 years to complete and to assemble. Matter of fact, one of the best verses to illustrate that, that the apostles understood Jesus to be saying this is in the book of 2 Peter. It's in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 to 21. And according to the tradition of the church, Peter is the one who wrote these words. And he's beginning, of course, with his own experience of Jesus, insisting that he didn't receive a story that he then believed, but he was present on the Mount of Transfiguration. That's what he begins by talking about. So that's where we'll begin. This is 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 16. For we, the apostles, did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we had been eyewitnesses of His majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when that voice was conveyed to him by the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice come from heaven while we were with him, or from the heavens, for those who are getting used to what the Greek really says, while we were with him on the holy mountain, which means the voice came from all around them. So we have the prophetic message more fully confirmed. You'll do well to be attentive to this as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. These are the critical verses. First of all, you must understand this, that no prophecy of Scripture, and that's really saying no word of the First Testament, understand it. No prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by human will. But men and women, moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. No prophecy ever came by human will. But men were moved by the Holy Spirit and spoke from God. This is what you have in that book. According to Peter, who I think got it from Jesus. Not only did Jesus assume the traditions of Israel, he accepted that David wrote Psalm 110. Not only did he accept the interpretations of Israel, he, he believed Psalm 110 was of the Messiah, he also assumed that Israel had somehow been carried along by the Holy Spirit of God as she developed what we now call the Christian Bible. It is so essential that Jesus assume these things because everything for us hinges on Jesus. Remember that quotation I shared this morning, if you were here, from Dallas Willard. I'm going to read it again. To become a disciple of Jesus, we must simply accept that he is the best and smartest man who ever lived in this world. That he is even now the prince of the kings of the earth. Then we heartily join his cosmic conspiracy to overcome evil with good. To become a disciple of Jesus, we must simply accept that he is the best and smartest man who ever lived in this world. What I'm suggesting is no one read the prophets of Israel and interpreted them better than Jesus, our Messiah. How he read them, we too must read them. When Jesus rose from the dead, he demonstrated who he was and who he is. And all who have followed him truly have had to assume that where he leads us, we must follow. Whether we're talking about ethics or theology, or basic behaviors, or reading the Word of God. It is Jesus who shows us how we must follow Jesus.
Shall we commit together today to read from this day forward with Jesus? However we've been reading and however productive we think that reading has been, can we lay down the human attempt to get at the truth of the word and follow Jesus? Shall we assume the accuracy of Israel's traditions which have been preserved in our Bibles? Shall we assume the necessity of Israel's interpretations which have been preserved for us in the First and the New Testament and other historical sources of Judaism in Jesus' day? Shall we assume the work of God in and through Israel in the process of the writing of what we now call the 66 books of the Christian Bible? If we were to read and study the Bible with these assumptions, it would have great effect. Here are a few things I, I think would happen. First, we will no longer be free to disagree with the things these texts overtly argue for or against. We'll no longer be free to do that if we were to read these texts with Jesus, no matter how well or how poorly they might fit in our current cultural set of values or sensibilities, we simply will no longer disagree. The question, what really happened? What really happened? Was there really an Abraham? Was there really a global flood? Did God really deliver the Israelites from slavery in Egypt and drown the Egyptian army in, in, the, in the Sea of Reeds? Did these things really happen? Did, they really, did the walls really fall down? Did Jonah really get swallowed by a fish? Yes. You can't read it otherwise and read it with Jesus. Third, we'll no longer be free to read and interpret the Bible apart from studying the Bible and being familiar with ancient Jewish culture. Fourth, what we believe about God and how we behave as His followers must be firmly rooted in the teachings of the writers of the Christian Bible. So no matter what we think God is saying to us privately, no matter what we believe He is telling us to do in our lives, if it is inconsistent with what He said through the prophets and apostles, you have not heard from God. Can we agree on that? We will never be the church until we do. God will never tell us to do something that He has prohibited through His apostles and prophets. How do we know that the voice we hear is God's voice? Until we know His language, until we know His dialect, until we know His values, we won't recognize it for God because His voice doesn't sound any different than your voice. So does He speak to you? Yes. How will you ever know? You must study. You must know the word so well that you would recognize the God of that scripture if he whispered in a windstorm. That's our goal. That's how we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Shall we read with Jesus? We have the word already. You have all that you need. Will we assume that what the prophets say is true? Will we assume that the culture in which Jesus became flesh is a culture we must understand to read these texts rightly? And will we believe that the Holy Spirit of God was working with these authors? And when we read them, we don't read a human like we read Shakespeare. We read, somehow, the Word of God.